Welcome to Dune in 10, where we give you the synopsis of the Dune books in 10 minutes or less. I'm David Moulton, and on this segment we'll be covering Dune, the Butlerian Jihad, the first book in the Legends of Dune series. A long time ago, in the world of this series, humanity had become complacent with itself. Having explored and expanded to whole new worlds, life was mostly one of luxury, with machines automating most tasks. It was during this time that a group that would later be known as the Titans became bored with humanity and sought out the means to take control. Reprogramming the machines that humanity was so dependent upon, the Titans quickly seized control, forming their own empire. Wanting to continue their rule as long as possible, many of the Titans opted to use a procedure that the Kagator monks used to free themselves of temptations. By having their brains removed and placed in a jar, the monks could live virtually forever, contemplating many things. The Titans, however, used this for a different means, and provided themselves with the ability to connect their brains to powerful machine bodies, making them a new form of human-machine life, a Cymec. Led by the General Agamemnon, the Titans ruled for quite some time, until the Titan Xerxes made a fatal mistake by giving the machines too much ambition. This AI, known as Omnius, quickly overthrew the Titans by taking control of the same thinking machines that they had used to conquer humanity. Protected by clever programming, Omnius could not destroy the Titans, so they were kept as reluctant members of his synchronized worlds. A few human worlds escaped Omnius's rule and remained free, with Omnius not feeling that they were worth his time or waiting for the right time to strike. Machines can be infinitely patient. Many centuries later, the free worlds have not been attacked by Omnius in about a century. Nevertheless, most worlds are protected by Holtzman shields, an energy shield that scrambles machine brains. Unfortunately, Cymex don't have machine brains. Under the leadership of Agamemnon, the machines attack Seleucus Secundus, destroying most of the capital and almost conquering the planet. During this battle, our hero, Xavier Harkonnen, saves the day by making sure the Holtzman shield remains functioning. After the battle is over, Xavier is hailed for his quick thinking and quickly rises in rank to be in charge of planetary protection for all the United League planets. Xavier is also in love with the League Viceroy's daughter, Serena Butler. Serena is an ambitious young woman, with a tendency to want to rush in to save her philanthropic endeavors, such as freeing the human slaves that a small group of League worlds still keep. Not unexpectedly, Xavier and Serena quickly become betrothed. During this time, Omnius is not happy with his failed attempt to conquer Seleucus Secundus, and is convinced by Agamemnon to attack another planet, Kiti Prime. The machines are successful in this attempt. The League debates whether or not a rescue attempt to liberate the planet should be made, and not happy with the time the League is taking, Serena plans a covert mission to reactivate the Holtzman shields on Kiti Prime, thus giving a rescue mission hope and forcing the League's hand. Travel between planets takes many months, so once Selina embarks, she leaves a message for Xavier and the League, telling them what she has done and what they must do to make sure her plan works. Serena's plan is successful, but they're running behind and she attempts to escape the occupied planet to warn the fleet to wait a few days. She is captured during this attempt, and those that were with her at the moment were killed. Serena is sent to the main synchronized world, Earth. The fleet arrives, and Gidi Prime is liberated with a Rossex sorceress. More on them later. But finding the wreckage and seeing the bodies of Serena's comrades, Xavier assumes she is dead as well. Also during this battle, the Titan Barbarossa is killed. Now on Earth, Serena is the captive of Erasmus, an independent machine. Most machines get regular updates from Omnius, keeping their personality similar. However, due to an accident trapping Erasmus away from the Evermind for many, many years, he developed an independent personality. Omnius allows Erasmus to continue without updates because their conversations amuse him. Driven by his curiosity and desire to understand them, Erasmus performs many experiments on his human slaves. 
One such experiment involves a bet with Amias that no human slave can be trusted, and any one of them will take an opportunity to turn against their machine rulers. To prove his point, Erasmus sends letters to a group of test subjects to see if he can get them to rise up. One such testee is Iblis Jingo, a high-level trustee. Iblis does not show outwardly that he is tempted by the letters, but starts using his uncanny ability to motivate others to plan a rebellion for when the correct time strikes. Back at Erasmus's mansion, the independent robot is keeping Serena like a pet, seeing if he can tame the feral human, while also learning from her free ways of thinking. During this time, Serena is also introduced to Vorian Atreides, the genetic son of General Agamemnon. Vorian is completely a man made by his surroundings. He believes in the order the machines bring and the great leadership of, the, of his Simak father. Falling for Serena instantly, he is enticed by her to question his surroundings. Also during this time, it is discovered that Serena is pregnant with Xavier's son. After giving birth, Erasmus finds the boy, Mannion, named after Serena's father, to be a distraction for Serena and making his work with her cumbersome. Nearly a year later, Erasmus having his full of this distraction and seizing the opportunity to both punish Serena for a recent issue and remove the distraction, drops Mannion from a balcony. Serena furiously and hopelessly attacks the murderer of her child. Many slaves witness this and also start a revolt. Iblis Jingo recognizes this as the opportunity he's been waiting for and puts his rebellion in full swing. The Titan Ajax is killed during the ensuing battle and Erasmus flees the planet. It looks for a time that the humans will win the planet back. Amongst the turmoil, Vorian wishes to save Serena from harm and rescues her from the mansion, with a plan to steal the ship he works on and take her home. Iblis is close by when Serena is rescued and convinces them to take him with them as well, so that he can plead for help from the League. The three escape and make it back to Seleucus Secundus. Upon returning, Serena is elated to see Xavier again, but is quickly distraught after finding that he has married her sister Akta and that they have a child of their own. It's also discovered that in the time it took them to get to Seleucus Secundus, the Earth Omnius chose to wipe Earth clean of all humans. The League, seeing this as an opportunity to go on the offensive, with no remaining collateral damage to be had, and nukes the birthplace of humanity to a crisp. Vorian Atreides proves his worth during this battle by capturing an Omnius update and preventing it from taking news of the battle to other copies of Omnius. In the aftermath, Serena urges Xavier and Vorian to work together and keep the momentum of their victory going, to make this movement into a religious jihad for all humanity. Thus concludes the main plot of this story. Also taking part during the story are several intertwining subplots. As mentioned before, there are the Rossex sorceresses, who were pivotal in the liberation of Gidi Prime. Led by Zufa Senva, they have discovered a way to harness their psychic abilities and unleash a suicidal wave of psychic power that liquefies any brain in the area, thus killing powerful Cymex within its range. It is an attack like this that kills the Titan Barbarossa. Furious over the death of a Titan, Agmemnon leads an army of neo Cymex. Those are Cymex made with the minds of human trustee slaves to attack Rossic. Sufa sacrifices many of her sorceresses to protect their home. Inevitably, the Cymex retreat. Zufa has a mate, Aurelius Venport, who we'll talk about in a moment, and a daughter, Norma, whose growth is stunned but is a genius-level mathematician. Zufa sees them both as failures, since they do not possess the psychic abilities she has and desires in others. Norma is taken as an assistant of Teo Holtzman on the planet Puritan. Holtzman is the man who created the machine-mind-melting shields the League uses. Norma quickly outshines Holtzman, but he takes much of the credit for her work. During this time, they produce many new things, such as glow globes, mobile Holtzman shield emitters, and most of all, shields for personal use and for a ship. 
Norma's story ends with her theorizing that the Holtzman shield could be used to bend space and theoretically allow instantaneous travel from one point to another. It should also be noted that Puritan is one of the planets that keeps slaves, and during this time, there is a massive slave uprising. There are two young slave boys of note, Ishmael and Alid, who witness the uprising and subsequent stomping out of the slave rebellion. This leaves a lasting yet varied mark on them both that is yet to be seen. Back to Aurelius Venpoit, Aurelius is a medical broker selling many of the pharmaceuticals found on Rossek to the League Worlds. He is very successful. Aurelius is contacted by a slave trader, Tuk Kidar, who has discovered a new spice called Melange on the desert planet Arrakis. The spice opens your mind while keeping you completely in control. It also prolongs life and energizes the body. Aurelius and Tuk travel to Arrakis to start a business collecting and distributing the spice. On Arrakis, there are tribes of Zensuni people who live in the desert living off a small supply of water and spice. In one tribe, a young man named Selim is exiled into the desert for stealing water, a crime punishable by death and one he has not committed, but was framed for. Entering into the desert, Selim assumes he'll die of thirst or get eaten by a great giant sandworm. A worm does come for him, but Selim discovers by accident how to ride the great worms. Riding a worm, he finds shelter with water and food. He continues to hone his abilities to ride the worms, and decides to show himself to other tribes, and his own. He has survived, and has a purpose, although he doesn't know what his purpose is yet. In time, Salim discovers his old tribe harvesting precious spice in huge quantities, unknown to him, but the tribe was working for Aurelius and Took's new endeavor. Seeing this as an affront to the desert, Salim attacks their camp with a giant worm, proving that he is a force to be reckoned with. Salim has found his calling. He will protect the desert. And that brings us to a close for Dune, the Butlerian Jihad. Make sure to check out our main episode for the Butlerian Jihad, where we cover all our thoughts on the book, as well as your comments. Remember, you can send your comments to us via email at dunesagapodcast at gmail.com, leave them on Facebook at facebook.com slash dunesagapodcast, or by calling them into our voicemail at 188-508-4343. So once again, for the Dune Saga Podcast, I'm David Moulton, and may Shai Halud clear the path before you.